Good morning, everybody. Thanks for being here today. As he said, I'm Brian. Uh, we're in week five of Life is Hard, God is Good. And the past two weeks, we've talked about the lead up to the book of Lamentations. And Lamentations, if you don't know, is about the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 BC and the people who are left in Jerusalem uh, sitting in pain and grief and despair. And the past two weeks, we talked about Hezekiah, his ups and his downs that led to this moment. But I couldn't help but sit here and read Lamentations and looking at the pain and the grief that they're facing and think about what's happening today um, in the Middle East. And I want you know, all of you to know that the staff and the church has been praying uh, for Israel, for Gaza, for the conflict, and, and really wanting to see God's will and his peace come to existence in that region. And so much of what they're experiencing lines up so well with the book of Lamentations, as I said, with sitting in grief and despair and pain, suffering, looking around at destruction and saying, God, where are you? God, just bring relief. And that's where we are in Lamentations today. We get to Lamentations 2, and Israel is so distraught with the pain of what they're facing that they're kind of, they've run out of tears, they've run out of words. And our author prompts the people of Israel who are suffering to speak up. But they speak up in a way that maybe you and I would feel not so comfortable doing. In preparation for today's message, I've asked the staff and almost everybody I've met with over the past two weeks this question. Is it okay to get angry with God? Why or why not? Is it okay to get angry with God? Now your answer to this has a lot to do with how you were raised, how you view God, how you view God's role in this world, maybe how you view the role of faith. And I've been surprised after all these conversations, how many people, by and large, the majority of people said, no, it's not okay. Not okay to get angry with God. And here's some of their reasons. I trust God. He knows what he's doing, right? This is the just let go and let God, just let it roll off your back. He's got a plan. Everything's going to be okay. We don't need to get angry. Just keep pressing on number of people said, the Bible says, don't get angry. Don't get angry. There's a fear of judgment. Almost as if, if I get angry with God, God's going to get angry back. And we don't want to see that. Like, I lose that battle. And then one that really stood out to me was a number of people saying, there's no reason to get angry with God because it wouldn't change anything. Have you ever felt that one before? There's no reason. It wouldn't change anything. Well, as we talk about anger this morning, I wanted to bring out a book. It's called Good and Angry by David Pallison. And I've taken a couple classes from him. He's up at Westminster Theological Seminary, teaches a number of counseling courses. At the end of every chapter, there's questions to help dissect some of it. But I thought there was one chapter in here that was particularly helpful uh, to help us diagnose whether we have a problem with anger. And so if you will allow me, I want to read a chapter. Never done this before, but I want to read a chapter to you. It's chapter two. The title of the chapter is, Do You Have a Serious Problem with Anger? So let's begin reading this chapter. Yes. That's it. One more chapter. (laughs) If you don't believe me, here it is. Um, It is the shortest chapter I've ever read in my life. Now, As you step back and you look at that, do you have a serious problem with anger? What do you think of his direct, blanket, blatant statement, yes, you have a serious problem with anger? Does that make you angry? (laughs) 
See, the reality is, is if you're living and breathing, you experience anger. We all experience it differently. We all have different levels of it. Different things make us angry. We all become angry at different situations, at other people, even ourselves. But what if we could get angry at the right times in the right ways? That would change everything. And I believe that's something Lamentations is showing us. That anger can even be used in faith in a powerful way that transforms our relationships with each other, ourselves, and with God. Lamentations 2, 18 begins this way. Cry aloud before the Lord, O walls of beautiful Jerusalem. Let your tears flow like a river day and night. Give yourselves no rest. Give your eyes no relief. Rise during the night and cry out. Pour out your hearts like water to the Lord. Lift up your hands to him in prayer, pleading for your children, for in every street they are faint with hunger. Now, there are several voices in the book of Lamentations, and these voices come from a narrator who is kind of this bird's eye view of Jerusalem. Looking down, he's guiding the people of Jerusalem who are suffering into coming to God. And he calls the people of Jerusalem to cry out to God. Now, Israel had been sitting in despair, shock, awe. They'd kind of run out of tears. They'd run out of voices. They just don't know what to do next. And finally, in verse 20, they respond. And they speak directly to God. And they say this. Oh, Lord, think about this. Should you treat your own people this way? Now, this statement is just filled with pain. They're feeling betrayed. They're feeling cut off. They are God's chosen people. And yet God is treating them severely. Actually, verse 20 can be translated a different way that gives us an insight into why their pain is so bad. It says, look, Lord, and consider, with whom have you dealt so severely? That phrase so severely occurs only here in terms of Israel. But at least three other times in scripture, dealing severely refers to the Egyptians. God dealt severely with the Egyptians. This is important because 900 years earlier, Israel was in slavery in Egypt, suffering, being tormented, tortured, put down, and they cry out to God. And at the end of it, Israel looks and says, okay, God has dealt severely with the Egyptians. And because he dealt severely with them, we get to go free. But all of a sudden, 900 years later, God's dealing severely with Israel. To summarize, they're basically saying, God, you are treating us worse than you treated our worst enemy. You are treating us worse than you treated our worst enemy. And finally, the anger bubbles up and they've had enough. Their voice cries out, their tears weep, and they just call God out. How do they successfully use this anger? Well, the first thing I see in Lamentations is that they assess their anger, and that's our first challenge. We have to assess your anger. Lamentations 3.40 says this, let, let us examine our ways and test them. Now, we all get angry. We get angry at different things. We get angry at other people. We get angry at ourselves. Some simmer. Some explode. Some are passive aggressive. Some are anger, angry externally, like everybody knows when they're angry. Some are internally angry. They just stuff it down, but we all get angry. 
I want to give you a scenario that maybe some of you have run into. You're on your way to an important early morning appointment and you're stuck on 395. Traffic comes to a standstill and you know like, man, this is an important appointment. And all of a sudden that anger starts raging. You get angry at VDOT for shutting down HOV lanes. You get angry for the person that's in an accident up ahead. You get angry at the person next to you. You get angry at yourself for not giving yourself more time to get to the appointment, right? All these things are welling up. Now, another scenario. You're on 395 again. Sorry, you're stuck in traffic again. This time, it's after a long, stressful day at work. And you're stuck in traffic, but you're on your way home to where your in-laws have been staying with you. (laughs) Different experience, right? You're like, ah, yeah, letting everybody in. You're calling up the spouse. You're like, hey, honey, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be late for, you know, dinner with the in-laws for the fourth night in a row. I'm really disappointed about that. You know, it's a different experience. But the situations are the same, right? You're stuck on 395, not getting to where you need to go. We have to step back and assess and say, why do I care so much about this? A lot of times when I pray in those moments, I start praying, God, just move the traffic. God, make a way, kind of like the splitting of the Red Sea. Just open up the cars. Let me go through. Like, God, do something. But I'm inviting him into the wrong thing. See, that meeting that I'm late for represents something bigger. It represents a fear and uncertainty. Maybe it's a business appointment that's going to change the course of my career. Maybe it's a doctor's appointment that could change the impact of my family. In my health. I want to show you a, an image in, of the anger iceberg. I've shown this before. But a lot of times what we do is we invite God up into the anger. And we say, God, move the people, move this situation, deal with this, move stuff so I can get to where I want to go. But we never invite him into what's actually happening and deep down at the core of who we are. The fears, the disappointments, the guilt, the insecurity, the anxiety, the trauma, the grief. We have to ask, why do I care so much about this? And instead of inviting God into all this surface level stuff of our anger where we get him to move other people, we need to invite him into something a little bit deeper. If you don't know this about me, I like quiet and calm. It doesn't go well in the house with two young boys, eight and four. It's always noisy. We actually had our friend Kate come over, Eli's friend. She's about a year and a half older than he is. And they come from a house next door that has two girls and their dinners are completely different. Like their household is completely different. Two girls versus two boys. But she comes in to play with Eli and she looks around and says, is it always this loud in here? (laughs) And we said, yes. And she's no longer welcome back. (laughs) See, I easily get overwhelmed by a lot of noise, loud responses, simultaneous talking, it just, it, it's overwhelming to me. And I found myself angrily demanding quiet. Just looking at my situation and say, God, just give me a couple minutes of peace, a couple minutes of quiet, like just still the storm. Is that the right prayer? Does God look down on my situation and say, yes, loudness grieves me so much. It hurts my feelings so much that I'm going to intervene and create quiet. 
Does it break his heart so much that he's willing to intervene? Or am I asking him into the wrong thing? See, there's a difference here that I've discovered that we're asking God into a lot of anger stuff on the surface, the situation stuff that we want to change. And a lot of times it represents our our fears, our uncertainties, our expectations, our values, but they're never assessed to see whether they're actually in alignment with what God cares about. So we have all this stuff over here that we care about and God's like, hey, there's something deeper that I care about. And when I say we need to assess our anger, I'm saying, can we bring those two things into alignment? Can we bring ourselves into alignment with what God really cares about and look at the heart? What's underneath the tip of that iceberg? Because anger is like a warning sign that flashes to get our attention. It's signaling to us that there's something deeper happening that needs God's work. And assessing it, bringing it into alignment allows me to finally see things a little bit clearer. See, God hears and listens when we voice our anger, our pain. But will he care about what you care about? Or will he say, hey, what's at the heart of that? There's something deeper you need to get to. Do our angers represent his angers? Or are we simply trying to bring God into alignment with us? See, once the lamenter has assessed his anger and he's identified there's something I care about and God cares about it and they're in alignment together, there's a partnership here. He goes straight to expressing the pain that anger represents. After you've assessed your anger, you need to express your pain. Get to the bottom of what's at that anger. I don't know if you've noticed this, but angry people almost always talk to the wrong people. Like they'll talk to themselves and they'll just like stew over it for weeks and weeks and that anger is just bubbling up or they'll, they'll talk at the people they're angry with, but never with them. Or maybe they'll talk to all the people who are not involved in the situation, right? But seldom do they actually express it to God. Seldom. Lamentations 3.18 gets to the heart of Israel's anger. It says, everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. Everything I'd hoped for from the Lord is lost. They get below the tip of that anger iceberg and they start dealing with what's actually at the core of their anger. Now, my teenage years were filled with anger. I know that's not different from a lot of teenagers' years. Um, I grew up in an alcoholic home and I just had so much rage and I pushed it all down. I don't think most people knew how angry I was, but I just kept pushing and pushing and shoving it down. I was talking with a counselor a couple years ago and this topic of anger with my dad came up and they said, Hey, describe to us a scenario where you were angry. Like the picture, where were you? What was happening? And I said, Hey, one that I have vivid in my mind is sitting in my room, door shut, music up on the floor next to my bed, head in my knees. And I'm just hitting things, cursing under my breath. I'm breaking things. I learned how to patch drywall very young because I punched a lot of holes in walls. And the therapist looked at me with kind of this bated breath of like, okay, what did you do next? Like you had all this anger going on. What did you do? And my response was nothing. Nothing. I did nothing because I knew it wouldn't change anything. Gabor Mate says this, trauma is not what happens to us, but what we hold inside in the absence of empathetic witness. My father was apathetic. I knew it wouldn't change anything. 
But Lamentations tells us to cry out to God because he cares. He is empathetic. He's not apathetic. This whole book of the Bible is is written so that we know that the anger, the pain, the disappointments, the, the anxieties that we carry are fully welcome to come before God because he cares. He sees and he hears. Maybe you haven't cried out to God because you don't think it would change anything. This book is telling us to invite God in to that pain, that anger. You are seen and heard. You have an empathetic witness in God that will create change. This is healthy anger. See, a lot of times we invite him into the anger, tip of the iceberg, the situations, the scenarios. But we need to invite God into the hopes, the dreams, the expectations. It's completely different than venting anger. Venting anger, when I think of venting anger to God, you know, I see a lot of people like raising their fists at God, turn their back at him and just walking away. Venting anger, whether it's with God or other people, puts up walls. Venting anger puts up walls. But expressing pain associated with that anger actually breaks down walls. And so many relationships are destroyed because anger is just bubbling out and it's just coming full scale at the people around us. But we never actually show them the core of why we care so much about that thing. We've never assessed it. See, anger management strategies, count to 10, think before you speak, exercise, eat well, sleep well before a conflict. Like all that stuff is good. It can ease a response, but it doesn't get down to the deeper meaning and it doesn't bring my life and emotions into alignment. Here's the path forward. I don't just need anger management strategies. I need God's mercy. Assess your anger, express your pain, request God's mercy. See, Jerusalem has gone down this path. And they're finally at the point where they cry out and they say, God, we need your mercy. We need relief from this. We care about this. You care about this. There's a partnership. We need relief. It is a declaration that alignment needs to take place, that I need to be in sync with God and identify those things that I care about and God cares about and develop a partnership. But to do that, we need mercy. Let's look at Lamentations 5. It says, you, Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures from generation to generation. Why do you always forsake us? Why do you forget us so long? Restore us to yourself, Lord, that we may return. Renew our days of old. See, Jerusalem has an aha moment. Their ways were out of alignment with God, but they acknowledged ultimately that God is on the throne. And what that means is that God's standard, his ways, his expectations, his, his values are the standard by which I need to align myself. I need to identify the things that God cares about and bring what I care about into alignment with him And whenever we are out of alignment with God, we have the sober reality of how much we need God. And that is an expression, a request for God's mercy. Because when our anger is out of alignment, our anger destroys us and it destroys those around us. They finally come to this realization of how dependent they are on God which is a little bit what we talked about last week. Part of their downfall was declaring their independence. 
from God and they finally come to the moment of how dependent they are. Now, this is our place to be. I don't like acknowledging my, my dependence. My whole life, our whole life, we're raised to be independent. But this is the one relationship where dependence is actually a signal of health. It's actually a, a, a determining element in having life and experiencing life the way it was meant to be. Dependence on God brings about the good that we're seeking. This request for mercy is a prayer. God, I need your relief. The angers, the fears, the uncertainties, the unknowns, my values, my dreams are overwhelming. It bubbles out in this facade of anger, but I need you at the core of who I am and what I care about to speak mercy, to bring them into alignment with you. And this is the amazing thing about God. When we own up to our angers, our wrongs, they're messed with mercy. Yes, he corrects us, he confronts us, he brings us into alignment, but he does so with compassion and mercy. When God restores us through his mercy, we're empowered to extend mercy to others and for a lot of us, more importantly, extend mercy to ourselves, compassion to ourselves. See, when I demand quiet in my home, it's almost out of a desire for control. I want to be up on the throne. I want my boys, my household, everything to comply to what I feel I need in that moment. I've got so much stuff racing in my head that I can't focus on my anxieties because I have all these distractions, right? And I miss out on the opportunity to engage with what matters most. And my anger flares up because there's something getting in the way of what I want to do. And if I were to be honest, these angers that flare up signal pains, hurts, expectations that need to be identified, assessed, and expressed to God. I need God's mercy to bring them into alignment with God so I actually connect with what matters most because when I do, I see myself and my children completely different. If you feel overwhelmed by anger, the book of Lamentations asks, have you assessed your anger and is it alignment with what angers God? If you feel stuck in your relationship with God, have you tried to openly and honestly kind of just pour out all that emotion in a raw, authentic way? Invite him in. He cares for you. Don't just vent your anger, put up walls and walk away, but actually access your anger and invite God into that pain. And finally, to request God's mercy. Are you willing to say, God, I need you? I don't need traffic to move. I don't need my boys to be quiet. I don't need this to go right. I don't need this. God, I need you. I need you to bring relief. I need you to help me to see clearly. I need you to help me to experience your mercy and extend that to others and to myself. See, anger can be healing. It can create change. It can restore relationships. But if you don't assess it to see if it's in alignment with God, if you don't express that pain to God and you don't request his mercy, that anger is going to destroy you and those around you. Let's pray. God, we reflect on the reality that anger often gets the best of us, it seems. 
And once it erupts, then the anger turns internally and we beat ourselves down again. And it's this vicious cycle. Lord, many of us try to stuff it down, act like it's not there. And it tears us up inside. We feel isolated. We feel as if you do not care. And then many of us just let it all out. And it just comes out in places we don't expect. And it tears apart people we didn't intend to tear apart. God, we lay it all down before you. God, we ask that you would help us to align what we care about with what you care about. God, I thank you that you are a God who can handle the authentic, raw emotion of anger, frustration, pain, disillusionment, and that you hear it and you see it. And I pray in that hearing and seeing that you begin to bring healing to those who are just wrecked with anger. And finally, we declare this morning, God, we need you. Many of us have tried to fight this battle alone. God, we declare this morning that this is your battle. Create a change in us that it might completely transform our world. In Jesus' name, amen.